Welcome to another episode of the Autism Everyday Podcast. We are your hosts, Swati and Geeta. Welcome back. In today's episode, we're going to be addressing some questions that were sent in to us by many people, by professionals, paraprofessionals, parents, people who know somebody with ASD and also some educators in the field who would like to have, you know, some things clarified or want to know more about autism itself. Perfect. Sounds good. But before we go any further, we're going to go over who we are and what we do. So bear with us. And <laughs> if you know us pretty well, then you know what to do. Fast forward. So Geeta and I are both certified behavior analysts. We run an ABA-based school, We Can, in a sunny seaside suburb of Chennai. We're act-based clinicians and we co-founded India's first acceptance and commitment therapy clinic that's run exclusively by BCBAs. Geeta and I frequently present our practical work with children, um, I think in the form of everything from now a book to scientifically published research in high-impact journals. And some of our work has made it across the globe. In over five countries. That is pretty cool. Before the pandemic, that is. <laughs> yeah, much before the pandemic, yeah. Phew. Okay, I think we really need to stick to a simpler introduction. Yeah. Hi, I'm Swati and I want to be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm Geeta and I just need some downtime. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds way cooler. Yeah, it does. So let's dive right into today's episode. We have some questions lined up and we're going to do our best to answer them as precisely as possible and throw in some light on the science behind some of these answers. So let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first question we received was, at what stage is ABA more effective? And is there any particular age limit after which ABA loses some of its efficacy or purpose or it's you know, is now no longer applicable, let's say. Mm. It's a, that's a really good question, a great question and something that keeps popping up over and over again and something many parents actually come and talk about, right? Very relevant. So I'm going to try to answer this with as much information uh, as is possible and yet make it simplistic enough. ABA can be used across all age groups. Uh, we know of clinicians in, in the U.S. who use it and continue to use ABA with an adult population, uh, with uh, adults who live in residential setups. There are practitioners who use it in old age home facilities uh, or in care centers for adults with dementia and Alzheimer's as well. Wow. Right. So put it uh, to put it, you know, in a nutshell, you can use the principles of ABA for just about any age group. However, maximum research that has been done on on the utility of ABA as a treatment methodology and the effectiveness has been with young infants, toddlers at risk and children on the autism spectrum disorder. ABA is known to speed up the process of skill acquisition using positive reinforcement. So if you have a child who hasn't developed communication skills, and is possibly on the spectrum, then enrolling for good quality services such as ABA can result in acquisition of that skill and can mean transformation in their lives. So the advantage of using ABA for early intervention is of course that it's backed by research. Tons and tons of research. Yes, has a whole lot of standardized assessments that can help to understand the child's strengths and deficits and then build a program around that. 
most importantly can help the family because ABA is extremely family centric and helps the parents the family understand the child better and that makes I think a big 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 difference so now would you know would a child who received you know ABA for most parts of his childhood benefit from continued ABA intervention you know let's say he's been in the system and he's had um, a good 14 years maybe of Mm. ABA services would he benefit from continuing to receive ABA intervention into adulthood Um, that is tricky because no he would benefit from real life application of those skills and really be given a chance to find his space in society but just as much as we believe in that it's also important to mention that there has to be continued use of the principles of ABA for this child who is now an adult you don't just say, okay, ABA therapy is done or ABA intervention is done and now I'm going to do something radically different. But, you know, some things that you began using for a child, let's say age three or four, like a token board, becomes irrelevant as he becomes an adult. But the principle of actually working for something and then being rewarded for that work, that pretty much remains the same. It's like us, isn't it? Yes, we we all work and... We look forward to our paychecks. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) bottom line, no age limit. Uh, ABA is not age bound. But that being said, it's used intensively and and possibly most effective for very young children. Yeah. I think that's why you talk about, you know, making those principles a way of life. As opposed to a therapy, therapy, right? Right. When you view it as therapy, then it has its limitations. It has Uh its time limits and duration and all of that but if you start viewing it as a way of life then that changes everything doesn't it yeah so that was a good one yeah so next question um is there anything like levels of autism and can a person's levels of autism change in their lifetime so this this is really valid and the answer isn't as simple as we'd like it to be but we'll do our best trying to answer this According to the DSM, which is the manual used by psychologists, psychiatrists, and developmental pediatricians, there are levels of autism. There's level one, level two, and level three. Mm-hmm. So that being said, in our own clinical practice as BCBAs and as ADOS2 clinicians, we found a lot of fluidity. When we use gold standard measures like the ADOS2 or the ADIR to diagnose a child, we come across children who receive a particular score and then after months of good quality, solid intervention, when we rerun the assessment, you'll find that the scores actually drop. True. Meaning there's an actual definite shift in some domains related to ASD. Yeah. But they continue to fall under the banner of autism spectrum disorder or autism. Right. That doesn't go away. Right. So according to the DSM, there is level one autism, which they classify as being mild or mildly autistic. Mm. Then there's a level two, which they term as more impacted. Mm. And then there's a level three, which they term as very severe. Mm. But I am going to reiterate when I say this, that these levels are super fluid. And in our practice, we have seen completely verbal children being put into, you know, like let's say level one on DSM, so being mildly autistic, mm. who exhibit maladaptive behaviors and aggression of somebody who can be classified as a level three category, which is mm. severely impaired. Mm. So I think what we're trying to say here is that those levels are purely clinical. Yes. But when you look at the application aspect, then there's so much fluidity that it would seem unfair 
to say, oh, this child is only mildly autistic and requires less support and this child is severely autistic and requires more support. Yeah. That is rather unfair. Yeah. So while it's definitely a clinical tool, I think we'd prefer to use something like the ADOS 2 and check for changes in scores as opposed to levels of autism. So run the assessment one time. Exactly. Run the assessment, let's say, at regular intervals, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, and then see if, you know, intervention is making the gains that it's supposed to make. And yes, a change in score is possible. Um, can they ever fall out of the spectrum and become non-autistic or neurotypical? We haven't seen a child that has done that. But we've read about children who received extremely low scores to start with on the ADOS 2 and then actually fell out of the spectrum. But we haven't seen one. Yes, yes. So moving on to our next question. Is autism hereditary? This is one of the questions, uh, again, a lot of families, you know, when they receive a diagnosis, they come in with this absolutely puzzled um, look on their faces. There's nobody in either of our families who, you know, has something like this. There absolutely is nobody. So how how did this happen? happen? What went wrong? Did I do something wrong? What is it? So... The truth is, autism tends to run in families, yeah. but the inheritance pattern is unknown. There is a strong indicator that there is a genetic basis for this disorder. But unlike Down syndrome or other m- more uh, research and pattern on genetic disorders, the genetic culprits here are still unknown. Research is ongoing and they haven't really got it pegged down. Yeah, I suppose, um, you know, what, what we read off from the latest research labs is that there is no such thing as an autism gene. One little, one thing. Right? Exactly. There's no one particular gene. There's no single gene responsible for this disorder, which also perhaps ex- explains the variability and just how broad the spectrum presents itself to be. You know, we always say if you've seen one person with autism, you've just seen one person with autism and you do not know the spectrum. And I think at a a genetic level, that's pretty much what it it also looks like. And at present, there are close to about 100 genes that are linked to the possibility of developing autism. And all of these 100 genes are important for communication between neurons in the brain. And some of these genes control the expression of other genes. So... It's rather complex. It's like there are these 100 genes. They may or may not be linked to autism. And the impact of these 100 genes itself varies. It's not a homogeneous group. Mm -hmm. So is there a way to test for autism in the womb? Not yet. No, absolutely. At least not now. Not now. There is no no way or no method to test for uh, ASD in the womb. But there are ways to test for conditions very closely associated with autism, such as fragile X, but still nothing that will just tell you that the fetus has autism. Mm -hmm. But also to talk a little bit about autism being hereditary, I think it would be crucial to refer to our previous podcasts on the broad autism phenotype, where a parent exhibits some traits of ASD, but not enough to meet a criteria for a diagnosis. And then their child has like full-blown autism spectrum disorder and ends up meeting criteria for autism and receives services. So obviously there is a link, but it's work in progress to sort of establish it scientifically. No clear answers. No clear answers, yeah. So the next question we have is about PECs. 
does PECS work for adults who have no previous expo exposure to PECS? Yes, 100%. Uh, so Swati and I were trained uh, uh, by the founders of PECS at Pyramid. And one of the most fascinating things about PECS that we learned from them is that there is no minimum or maximum age. You can start your learner on it if he does not have other means of communication or even needs to supplement his existing mode of communication. PEX is actually vastly misunderstood. Uh, the essence of the process is finding out what the person likes or wants the most and then teaching them to exchange a picture or a picture card to get what he wants. It's really as simple as that on the ground. As a rule, some of the things you don't begin with is things that you don't, you want them to do. Yeah. Instructions and right. That's definitely a big no-no. Yeah. Yeah. All communication using pecs begins with things that the child wants. So it's child-centric and yes, not mostly. the adult-centric. There's always this, yeah, can you use pecs to tell your child what he has to do next? So there's this... A prevailing confusion about pecs and about using visual uh, schedules yeah over yeah. and over again parents, all the time yeah yeah there is this confusion because the same set of cards keep getting used mm -hmm. uh, to tell the child uh, you know what he needs to do next or to ask him questions yeah uh, so remember that's a no-no we're looking at communication when you're looking at pecs what you can do is enable your child to ask for what he wants using pecs Imagine that the picture card is a substitute for his voice. What would he say? What, what would he want to say? And those cards are relevant for him. So in short, PEX works. It helps him ask for what they want. And that automatically reduces behaviors or unhappiness simply because they can ask for what they want. And that communication is easily understood by the people in his environment. Right? True. Well, exciting one coming up. Somebody has a question about the types of treatments or therapies available in India for ASD. Okay, so there are two ways to answer this question. Um, there are types of therapies and there are types of evidence-based therapies available. So I'm going to list out some types of treatment methods or therapies available in India in no particular order. Um, there's speech, there's OT, there's physical therapy, there's vision therapy, there's um, diet as a form of therapy, they, they call it the GFCF diet, which is gluten-free, casein-free. There's something called the chelation therapy, uh, there's a sunrise program, Ayurvedic therapy is very popular, horse riding as a form of therapy is also popular, sensory integration has made its way to the country, there is the TEACH model, early start Denver model, there's flow time, there's something called RPI or FC, which is uh, RPM. I'm sorry about that. It's RPM or FC. Uh, my making a mistake on that is pretty ironic because those are two methods that lack complete evidence. It's the rapid prompting method, which was started by an Indian overseas and facilitated communication, both of which have absolutely no clinical studies and are actually detrimental to the child. Um, and then, of course, there's applied behavior analysis. And as a BCBA, I'm going to say woot woot. But the reason we listed ABA last is possibly because most people don't know enough about it. 
And uh, if I were to rephrase that list and talk about the types of evidence therapies that are available in India, then it would be OT, speech, ABA, early start Denver model and the teach model. If you, if you know of any other evidence-based therapies that we've missed out on, then, you know, feel free to send us a message or an email and, you know, we can chat up on that in the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. So none of the other listed methods are actually backed by clinical trials and um, hence they have no evidence. Uh, some of the methods we spoke about earlier, such as RPM or FC and chelation, a lot of them have known to be very controversial. Um, and if you look at uh, papers that have been written about them, uh, it has generated quite a, let's say, quite a bit of discussion. True, right? true. And sometimes they can even be detrimental to the child. So there is absolutely no evidence backing horse riding, um, vision therapy, sensory integration, um, Ayurveda. Yes, you have heard and, you know, read these um, um, little uh, you know, things that are out there on the net where people have spoken about some of these things and how it has made a difference to the child. So I think the most important thing to keep in mind is, is your child receiving evidence-based services? Because everything else on the side is it's really on the side. It's a frill. Yeah, it's, it's on the frill. side. Yeah. It's a side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you don't do the main thing, then it doesn't matter what you're doing on the side. It's like your main course and it's your chutney, course, right? Yeah. You can't just live yeah. on chutney. Yeah, you got to have your dosa, man. You got to have your dosa. Um, yeah, so to repeat, evidence-based therapy is available in India, ABA, OT speech, early start Denver, and the teach method. Yeah. So the last question for today is, does ADHD co-occur with autism? Yeah, a big one. A really big Again, one. Again, one for which there are no clear answers, right? Although the two conditions might exhibit similar behaviors they are in reality very very um, different conditions i think the key difference is that children with asd have difficulties in the area of so you know social skills and communication they may exhibit a need for perfection mm. they may have limited topics of interest exhibit social awkwardness children with adhd do not have any of these symptoms mm. and that is a huge difference between the two of them mm. children with adhd much like children with asd have trouble focusing but they have no delays in speech no social problems no limited topics of interest and very very rare instances of social awkwardness yeah. but it's also true that uh, there is a um, high co-occurrence of uh, ASD with ADHD, right, as a comorbid condition. Um, studies show that around 30 to 50 percent of individuals with autism might have a comorbid condition such as ADHD. But when they co-occur, the condition of concern remains ADHD and, a I'm sorry, it remains ASD and ADHD usually takes the back seat. I think that's probably because with ADHD, um, there's a lot of other things that are not affected, right? Like the social and communication yes. domains. Yes. And hence the behavioral problems are more to do with just focusing. So just when focusing, yes. Inability to sit or inability to concentrate and, and a whole lot of that. Exactly. Impact more of school, school work. Precisely, say, precisely. Right? It impacts probably employment and school work. But the moment you show them areas of interest or something they can focus on, then they do well. Yeah. Yes. That is not the case with ASD. Yes. Their struggles, uh, you know, sort of span many, many domains. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, that was a good deal of tackling questions and we have lots more. So stay tuned and we will be answering the next lot of questions yes. um, that cover autism, the social domain, communication, adulthood, education and more. Stay tuned. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up on Apple Podcasts and go check out our blog at behaviorswag.com. Yeah. Yeah. Watch that space for exciting updates. See you soon. Be well.